So you're on the train in Japan, and you see a man with knives. What do you do? You call the police. That actually is not the most unreasonable response. I think people need to understand that uh, in Japan, carrying a knife is illegal. Just straight up. If there was a story, and it's the one that bugs me the most, because there was a tourist and he went in to get to like a, a, these little police stations called Koba. He went into a Koba and he talks to the cops. And he's like, I'm trying to find this place. Basically, just trying to get directions. And the police give him directions. And they talk to him and they chat and they're having friendly. And they go, hey, do you have a knife? And he goes, yeah. And he's carrying a Swiss Army knife, little Swiss Army knife. Uh, and they arrest him right there. And something people forget is when they come from their country to another country, the laws of their country don't come with them. Actually, a lot of people seem to be confused about the rules in another country because they don't look into it. They just assume that my rights, my freedoms are the same. So search and seizure rules, you probably don't know what they are in different countries. Uh, what's legal to carry, the reasons for it, you probably don't know it. Japan has very strict uh, weapon culture. It's not just guns. Gun control very high but anything that could be a weapon we had last couple of years crossbows were made illegal uh airsoft guns are tightly controlled the and here we have a guy carrying a knife and it's just uh, i just lost that sentence we have uh carrying a knife is illegal unless you have a reason for carrying the knife so you see a man on the train in Japan, he's carrying multiple knives, it makes sense to call the police. Now, was he brandishing the knife? Was he doing anything with it? This is actually interesting because I've ended up finding, when I do a, a Ninja News Japan story, I try to do like proper research to a degree. I try to find multiple articles about the same story so I can see what is consistent. So that's probably true. I'm not going to say factual. Uh, and I can see if there's any inconsistencies. One story said he had basically a knife case, like one of those things you put, you slide the knife into slots and you roll it up and tie it up. And one said he had knives wrapped in a towel and the ends were poking out. And one story said he was brandishing a knife. So somewhere in there is the truth. These are supposed to be reporters. I'm Ninja News Japan. I'm a guy who does this on his day off with his dog sleeping on the bed. Uh, for fun. This is a hobby. It's entertainment. And I put more work into making sure my stories are factually accurate than major news sources. You may have uh, seen a tweet or an Instagram post I've, I've put up recently on the top 25 news in Japan list. <laughs> the first thing that gets me is how specific that list is. It's not like it did say the little, let me pull it up. So it's the 25 best Japan news podcasts, very specific category, if we're being honest. Uh, the best Japan news podcast from thousands of podcasts on the web. Now that actually is a misnomer because yes, there are thousands of podcasts, but there are not thousands of Japan news podcasts. Ranked by traffic, social media followers, and freshness. Uh, Ninja News Japan has okay traffic for a podcast for sure and is absolutely fresh. I mean, you're mm, tasting it, smelling it right now. It's fresh. Social media followers, not so much. That is, I admittedly, my biggest weakness. You'll see on the screen 
uh, Japan News Podcasts. Number one, deep dive from the Japan Times. Japan Times is a national newspaper in Japan. And their little tagline is, looking beneath the surface of Japan, we hear from Japan Times journalists and guests about current events and trends in Japan. Number two, a little podcast called Ninja News Japan. All the news from Japan, there is no ninja. Uh, a little, I guess, self-congratulatory little, little boop boop. I don't know what the criteria was for that, really. Uh, I bet Ninja News Japan is just the most consistent Japanese news podcast release schedule. Because it is basically every week I get one of these out. Uh, So back to our Knife Man story. So you call the police. You see a guy in the... Oh, I have to get the rules. So you're allowed to carry a knife. You're not allowed to carry a knife in Japan. You're allowed to carry a knife if... You have a reason. So let's say I am going fishing and I am carrying with me a knife for deboning fish or scaling fish or something to do with fishing. The police would stop me and say, hey, why do you have that knife? Well, I'm going fishing and I'm going to do some fish stuff with my fish knife. They would be, all right, on your way. Uh, I have a machete. be pretty rare in Japan. Uh, they say, why do you have the machete? Well, I am a intense gardener, extreme gardening, that's my job, and I'm going to my uh, the, the jungles of Japan, and I'm going to machete. Now, that also would be acceptable under Japanese law. So I can't just carry around a knife. So this tourist, who probably just carried around a Swiss Army knife all the time, prim- primarily probably not for the knife, but more for the screw. Uh, the screwdriver was always the thing I ended up using the most, or picking my nails, that kind of thing. That is oh, not acceptable because there's no reason for you to carry a knife. So this, this, this guy on the train, I almost said the word, I got to keep the tension high. You see, it's the tension that you have to build so that people stay for the whole podcast. That and the dirty stories, I always put them at the end. Uh, at the next station, so if someone, someone sees this guy, he's got knives, calls the police. Police rush the train to the next station. He's a chef. Now, he says he had adjusted the knife. So maybe he has one of those, again, sleeves where all the knives are in it and you roll it up. Maybe they were wrapped in towels and the ends were poking out. So he was trying to make sure it was safe. Uh, he was not brandishing, according to this story that seems the most reasonable, he was not brandishing it. He was probably making an adjustment, probably for other passenger safety because he knew he was carrying knives. But this stopped one of the major lines in Tokyo which affects hundreds of thousands of people. So um, I don't know. It's not unreasonable for the person to have called the police. Uh, the guy was not threatening anyone though. I'm going to assume. I'm going to, because if he isn't actually a chef, I think if he wasn't a chef, they would have said. If he's actually a chef, he's carrying his knives, carrying for work, he's being responsible. Then there's no reason to, to, to call the police on him. But then we have all the crimes in Japan are knife crimes. I don't know. It's, it's a really tough situation because I don't know who's in the wrong. Maybe if you're a chef carrying your knives, put the knives wrapped up into a backpack or something else uh, just because you can avoid this and not freak people out. When making threats in any country, in any scenario, it is important to be accurate. Uh, there's a man who felt it was completely appropriate for him to make threats. And so he, he's unhappy about the 
situation with Russia and the, the aggressive nature of the Russian Federation at the moment. So he sent some emails and he said, I'll put all workers through hell. Don't really know what that means. So all the workers in Russia, how are you going to put them all through hell? Why are you talking about the workers specifically? It seems like the government is what you should be targeting. Uh, he said, please kill the president. Who are you sending that to? Sending that to Russia? Just please kill the president of Russia? I think he actually means Putin. Russia has a president and Putin, who is sort of the actual leader. So I think I think this man maybe doesn't have it all together. Let's make Tsukiji a sea of blood without any contact. So let's, as in you, people of Russia and me, some a 50-year-old man from Japan, let's go to these disputed islands and fight? I don't know. Uh, the problem was he thought he was sending these to the Russian embassy, but instead he sent the emails to the Asahi Shimbun, which is a newspaper. So he was inadvertently threatening to make the lives of every worker in the Asahi Shimbun hell. He was threatening for them to kill the president of the newspaper, the Asahi Shimbun. And he was saying, hey, guys who are from the same country as me, let's go to these disputed islands and make a sea of blood. So let's kill everyone else together. I'm not sure. Uh, he did say, okay, their articles did not match my beliefs. And I thought I emailed the Russian embassy, but instead I sent emails to the Asian one. So basically they were writing articles about Russia. He was saying the Russian beliefs... I do not agree with. So I started sending emails, probably clicked a link on the article and started sending emails to the Asahi Shimbun, making various threats. Uh, it is obstruction of business. That's clear. I mean, that, that's, that's almost a given. And uh, I mean, think about it or be careful. I don't know. If you're going to go through the effort of threatening people, at least making sure make sure you're threatening the right people. Russia... This is uh, international politics as high school drama. Russia used to mark the end of World War II as a day of military glory. Okay, so basically we have Remembrance Day. We have several days. Each country has sort of their own version where they remember the horrors of World War II. Japan has recently, like many countries, sanctioned Russia. And Russia seems to have taken that poorly. Uh, so the lower house in Russian parliament, I think it's parliament. Anyways, the, the, the lower house of the Russian government has voted to rename the day of military glory to day of victory over militaristic Japan in the end of world war two. That is some high school shit right there. So we've invaded Ukraine. A lot of Western countries don't like it. Japan doesn't like it. We're somehow particularly pissed at Japan has taken a stance on this. So we're going to change the day that World War II ended, our celebration of that, and make it specifically about Japan. Oh, yeah? Well, you don't like that we're invading Ukraine? Well, we're going to take the day of military glory and change it to the day of victory over militaristic Japan and the end of World War II. Technically speaking, World War II has not ended. This is something I've brought up before. It's interesting. It's a little side fact. Uh, there are disputed islands, 
at the north part of Japan. And those islands are disputed between Russia and Japan at the end of World War II. Since they have not come to a resolution, they have not signed an official peace treaty. They've just kind of stopped fighting. So because that peace treaty has not been signed, World War II, very technically, is still ongoing. No one's going to say that seriously, but until a peace treaty is signed and those, that that those islands are resolved, like who actually owns those islands, as long as those claims are standing, World War II is still happening. So you're cheating on your partner. Your side piece, they're into it. So they give you a hickey. You, you go home, I got a big hickey on my neck. My, my partner's going to find out I've been having an affair. So what do I do? There's only one solution I can think of. Uh, okay, realistically, I had a girlfriend and I gave her a hickey the day before she had a job interview and she was losing her mind. So I went online and looked. What you're supposed to do, I don't know if this works, is take a cold spoon and push it against the hickey and that'll help it. So basically put ice on it will help it heal faster. Uh, she put makeup on it. Probably the, the most reasonable solution, if we're being honest. Uh, this person came up with the non-reasonable solution, which is great uh, because that's how it becomes an Engineers Japan story. Uh, the number two news on Japan podcast. Uh, after people who are paid to do this. So, I mean, all right. She calls the police. She calls 110 and she reports a sexual assault. She says at 6.30 a.m., the intercom in her apartment or house rang. She opened the door and a man came in, took off her top, touched her inappropriately, gave her a hickey and left. Now, if I am reporting a sexual assault, more happens. A, A guy is not going to grab you, touch your boobies, give you a hickey and leave. So that's where actually the first drop of suspicion would come into it. That is a very strange sexual assault. If you were walking down the street and a guy grabs you, there's other people around and runs away, that makes sense. He's got you in his your apartment. It's private. No one's going to walk in on you, probably. I don't know. So the police were obviously suspicious uh, or they were just taking her seriously. Actually, pretty fair. They probably just took her at her word. She says she was sexually assaulted. Let's go try to find the guy. They find out she wasn't at home at 6.30. There is footage of her coming home quite casually after 7 o'clock in the morning. I also have a thing about very early morning crime. (laughs) I think once you get after 4 a.m., no one's really at their best. So if I was going to commit crime, any crime. Uh, it would be in the, like around the, the 1 a.m. period, maybe two. I, I'm not I'm not functional at four or five, six in the morning, which is when you'd have to get up and get ready to do these crimes that happen at six, 6.30 in the morning. The police looked at security footage. The woman was not home. Uh, they found footage of her coming home. And that is when they started talking to her more seriously. And she admitted that uh, she had not been sexually assaulted. She was just trying to hide the fact that she was having an affair and explain the hickey that was on her neck. Uh, she could have just stuck a vacuum on when her boyfriend came home and been like, hey, look what I did. Ha, 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 ha. There you go. I'm just a, a, a weird, quirky lady doing weird, quirky things, giving myself hickeys. 
I, I think I actually just found a better solution. Like as making a, a stupid joke, I think it's more reasonable than calling the police. Nintendo is a big company. Uh, they have an annual shareholder meeting where they talk about business stuff with business people who have shares. These are not gamers. These are business people and all they care about is numbers go up. It's going to be the theme for the next C McB. So you should look out for that later this week. C McB podcast is my other podcast where I talk about not news from Japan, but honestly, I think this one is, this episode is going to be talking about news. So if you like Ninja News Japan news and commentary, which is the color commentary and editorializing is what you come for. You might actually enjoy this other episode. So I would say give C McB a try this week. So these are not gamers. They're business people who want to do business stuff and make business decisions and make money and and numbers go to the, well, if I'm looking at it, it goes to the right and up. So right and up. But if I'm looking away, if I'm standing like to the audience, it would be to the left. Still up. Up is the important part. Unless you turn it around, then that's bad. A Splatoon fan. There was a part of this article I legit did not understand. He didn't have enough money to buy shares. He got money and bought a Switch for 40,000 yen, sold it immediately for 25,000 yen, and somehow that got him into the shareholder meeting. I was very confused as to what that actually meant. Did he buy a single share for 25,000 yen? I didn't. I should have done that. I should have looked up the price of a share of Nintendo. Um, it sounds like that's what he did, but if he had the 40,000 yen, he could have bought a single share with the 40,000 yen and not bought the Switch. I'm very confused as to what was going on there. He's a Splatoon fan. He hijacks the meeting because you're allowed to ask questions to the president stuff. So he's speaking to the president of Nintendo. And what does he do? He starts complaining that the male characters, who are, I believe, called Inklings, about the male character's treatment compared to the female character's treatment in the game. Like the males are not treated as well as the females. The focus of advertising and stuff is all on the female characters, not the male characters. The male characters deserve equal time compared to the females. The Nintendo president literally scolds him, says, well, he says, you have one minute, you know, make your point or ask your question. He's supposed to be asking questions, but he's not actually asking a question. He's just making complaints. Apparently he has printouts and like things to show like charts and whatnot. He scolds him for wasting time because he didn't really have a question. Uh, His basic statement was stop favoring the female characters in Splatoon. And then there were a whole bunch of comments about this is why you don't let gamers into business stuff. And then they're all like, I wouldn't even want to work with this guy. But in a way, this is the kind of person you're, you're taking money from. This is the kind of person you should listen to because if you maybe do what he says, you'll make more money and then number goes right and up. So uh, maybe think about that. Uh, he, it would be weird to be a fan of a franchise, have a really passionate and start making statements, and then the president of that company turns around and says, dude, do you actually have a point? Or a question? Oh, do you have actually have a question? And you don't. You have a point that no one in that room cares about. And this is sort of the, maybe the point where they're like saying, read the room. 